This podcast is part of Circus Voices, brought to you by Circus Talk, the world's only online platform exclusively for the circus sector. Circus Talk has rolled out several resources and features recently as a response to COVID-19. One of them is a new feature in events that will help you get paid for your work. So if you've got a basic or a free membership, you can list, list your live stream or on-demand shows there, and you can sell tickets or collect pay-what-you-can donations. You can even list your classes and workshops and collect the class fees directly through Circus Talk via PayPal. Circus Talk even helps promote these shows and classes on social media. Welcome to Monkey See, Monkey Discuss. Exploring circus trends and tropes, one topic at a time. You're listening to Rosie and Ruby, where two circus practitioners and performers who also run a podcast. It's called Not My Monkeys, and you can find it on all your usual platforms. We work, live, and study circus, so we're here to give you some thoughts on a circus topic each month. What are we going to be thinking about today, Ruby? So today we're going to be talking about how age comes into play with circus. So age diversity, how it differs in traditional and contemporary circus and why that might be. And just some examples of shows and people that do have a range of ages and what effect we think that has. That is a really cool topic and I am all aboard for the action packed (laughs) episode this is bound to be. Well, can I just ask a quick question as we begin? You may. What is ageism in circus, Ruby? Oof, that's a big question. Um, it is a huge question. The <laughs> biggest question of them all. I think uh, ageism happens in all walks of life, but I suppose one way it comes into play, particularly with circus, is that there's this perceived idea that you get to a certain age and you just won't be able to do the same things that you could when you were younger. Um, so maybe older people don't get hired for jobs anymore. There's a lot of like young performers. It's all about being this peak physical fitness and I think yeah a lot of old perspectives get left out of the conversation Mm. so what you're saying is that a lot of these shows um don't think that old people have anything to contribute to the show and therefore we're missing out on key voices that audience members can relate to and experience yeah because obviously our audience is all ages circus doesn't have a particular you know we're not particularly getting 20 year olds watching and observing circus we're getting an older generation as well so It's interesting that they're just being like glossed over. Yeah, Mm. exactly. I think generally as a diversity thing, it's really good to be able to have the performers on stage reflect who's in the audience. Like if you're going to have older performers, that means that the older people in the audience Mm -hmm. have someone to relate to. Same with younger performers. If everyone is just a 20 year old, yeah, that's harder to relate to for everyone. Mm. And do you think that it means that certain stories don't get told as well? Like it becomes less believable to see 20-year-olds playing roles in circus or like if your circus is maybe a bit more theatrical or you're using circus in theatre or in dance shows if you have characters that need to have experience and age how believable is it to have like some 20-year-old like backflipping around the stage when they're supposed to be some sort of 70-year-old woman (laughs) it just doesn't make sense yeah exactly I think there are some shows that do do it so um Occam's Razor their latest show this time they had Charlotte and Alex who are the creators of Occam's Razor and they're in their 40s and then they had a 13 year old performer and a 60 year old performer Faith and Lee was that a 60 a 60 year old yeah 60 year old did you say um and she is kind in lots of ways the star of the show because I think it's just really cool to see an older woman performing and it means that, yeah, mm-hmm. there shows a lot about family and ageing and time. And so by having like all those different range of range of ages, they can get all of those perspectives into that show. And you just couldn't 
yeah, like you say, you can mm. have a younger person talking about the experience of being old in that way because um, it just doesn't make sense. Mm. And also it's kind of um, refreshing and interesting to see older people in performance, like you're saying, purely, unfortunately, because it is rare. Yeah, I think something that happens a lot in ageism is that as people get older, they feel invisible. They stop becoming, they stop being relevant. You know, we don't see older people in the media. And so older people in real life get disregarded. Ruby, you saw another show that had um, some people of older generations in it. What was it called again? Uh, so it's called Casting Off. It was by a Good Catch Circus. They're an Australian circus company. Uh, it's three women. And again, it's kind of different generational ages. And Deborah Batten, who's the oldest performer, is really good at breaking down sort of that, those stereotypes of older women in like there's a bit where she just slams herself onto the floor and jumps back up over and over again and it's really it's quite confronting when you're not used to seeing you know an old person falls over it's like oh my god yeah you want to you want to wrap them in cotton wool a little bit but but she disproves that <laughs> yeah exactly fantastic yeah and she you know she does a handstand on a massive stack of chairs at the top and yeah does all this trio acrobatics but there's a lot of talking in it as well and they're talking about their different generational sort of takes on being those ages and like their experience of life and you just can't have that sort of diverse perspective or wisdom if you if you don't have a range of ages ages and experience mm. and was there there was a third show as well that you were recently telling me about you haven't seen it yet but what you were describing sounded really interesting i've also forgotten the name of that show so you have to remind me <laughs> yeah so that show's called everything i see i swallow i really wanted to see it but i haven't yet um and that's by tamzin shasha and Maisie taylor and so that's two women they're both rope artists um, and they are playing a mother and a daughter and they sort of represent second wave feminism and third wave feminism. So the plot is that the mum finds her daughter's Instagram that's got like some quite sexually explicit content. Yeah, and, and is really struggling with that idea. Mm -hmm. And it's sort of their battle with that, you know, it's with the second wave being all about women being much more than their bodies and not just being judged by their bodies. Mm -hmm. And then uh, Maisie, who's playing the younger daughter is talking about how she is empowered in her sexuality and has ownership over it and yeah I think like you know that's a show that I would love to go and see with my mum mm. I th you know like that's it brings more people to the audience and it's reflecting real conversations and reflecting real relationships and yeah yeah I think that's really cool because I think like one thing you were saying to me is that without an older generation like voice from performers uh, speaking to the audience there's like the tendency to fall back into cliches of older people so like yeah. oh older people have the idea that they are yeah like you say conservative in their views and they are yeah not mentally as uh, as switched on you might say as like the younger generations and they have no use to us and they have old ideas and ideologies but actually it's interesting to see yeah, an older generation, their version of feminism yeah. put up against a modern version of it because you need to have those two comparisons. How can you understand where you stand if you don't uh, look at the past? Yeah, and I, I think we can all be influenced by that. Like I worked backstage in a theatre once and it was a lo just basically run all by old people and I was so surprised by how openly they would like make jokes about sex all the time and like it's that mm -hmm. th this mm -hmm. perception of what an old person's going to be like. Yeah, what's your experience of it in, like, more in the juggling world? How do you think age comes into play? Um, I think that's really interesting. I think that the age 
problem with juggling will be really different from aerial and acro. Yeah. I mean, there will still be lesser representation of the older generation, but I think that we don't view um, juggling as physically necessary. So we don't see like, oh, you have to be young to be able to do mm. it. Um, which means that quite a lot of jugglers perform well into their 50s, 60s, 70s. We're looking at some people who have like juggling careers starting from teenagers well into their 70s. So you're getting huge spans of careers. People like Chris Cremo are still performing now and he must be 70 either this year or the next. People like Brun were about 70 and like women jugglers, I'd say even the same, like Cindy Marvell was like what in her 50s 60s now Lottie was in her 60s Trixie was in like her 40s when she stopped so we're not seeing like a huge difference between male and female jugglers the only difference is that sometimes the female jugglers are the ones that sort of retire early in order to take care of the children that's the the old thing that would stop maybe women jugglers from going on with such long careers but um do you remember when we had the interview in our podcast not My Monkeys, which you can find on all podcast platforms. And we interviewed uh, Wes Peden, who is a juggler. Yes. And he said that he was not really that bothered about age in that he felt like so long as he was able, he would have a career in juggling. Like, it didn't seem to be an age-limiting thing. Yeah, I wonder if juggling is a bit more flexible around that because when, when we talked to charlotte mooney from occam's razor she had a quite different perspective in that she'd mm. encountered quite a lot of people mm -hmm. implying like oh are you gonna stop soon you know like you're nearly 40 like you're gonna stop doing aerial and and that that's a real shame because actually mm. yeah when you're at that age you've had years and years of experience and you've got all this physical knowledge and she she did say i think um if you want to go and listen to the interview which is a fantastic interview if we do say so ourselves <laughs> but the quote from um charlotte was that she felt more capable and stronger than she'd ever felt yeah um because she had that that experience and that wealth of knowledge behind her which is fantastic to hear and something that i think maybe in juggling isn't isn't sort of seen so much because you know it's not as physically dependent people don't see you you know up high or like leaping across things so they maybe think it's not as physical I mean it is we know it is yeah or maybe it's that your bod your body is not on display mm. I mean it obviously is as a juggler but in some ways it's the props that you're watching that's really interesting that's that's vague but when you're yeah an acrobat or an aerialist maybe because your body is so the focus. Yeah, that's a really good point that I hadn't considered. I And I would like to agree with it. <laughs> <laughs> so while we're on the topic of diversity, um, I just want to remind you that this podcast is brought to you by Circus Talk. The wake-up call for inclusion is Circus Talk's response to the equality crisis in America that affects the entire world. It's a mini-series of panel discussions to unveil racism and discrimination and explore solutions for diversity and inclusion in the performing arts, especially for the circus sector. So one person that I was looking at when thinking about age and circus is Bout Clevens, who's a dramaturg and a circus academic and researcher. Mm. Um, and she wrote these open letters to circus, which are really good. You should go check them out. She did a few of them. Um, and in her second one, she talks about how the body is political in circus. Um, she says, circus is a parade of perfectly trained, disciplined bodies that conform with the norm of what is considered beautiful, 
useful, virile or sexy. Mm. And she says that she thinks it's really important to want to be more than obedient machines whose bodies, through the discipline of training, show us who satisfies the norm and who doesn't. That's a great quote. And it's made me really want to read those, um, what are they called again, the the things she's written? Open Letters to Circus. Open Letters to Circus. I'll write that down. Mm. But um, it's funny that you that she has the idea um, of, yeah, not being a, like a conforming machine in a way because that's exactly what our other topics have all yeah kind of linked to this idea that circus has to be essentially human and like and very very really human because otherwise how is it really circus and how can we have circus without representing age of all the kinds like with traditional circus it's interesting that if you to go and visit a trad circus especially like the more like southern european trad circuses that are really family based you do get sort of teenagers or children performing alongside like maybe one or two generations older yeah like because it's their family and they all work together in doing that yeah it's really normal to see all of the ages on stage in a show it's a shame really that that isn't the same in contemporary circus like you said earlier it's kind of the the diversity that gets left out so regarding ultimately ageism as being the forgotten discrimination how can we how can we fix it like what's something that circus could do and one of the things um that a lot of circuses rely on but that is kind of skewed is funding yeah like what's up with that yeah so with funding i think something that happens a lot is this funding bodies can be really keen to support an emerging artist that sounds very good to support an emerging artist Mm. that then can go on to have a career and then they can be part of that journey but the problem with that is emerging is very much intrinsically linked with age often Mm -hmm. so you know emerging artist funds will be for like 18 to 25 year olds for example Mm -hmm. but actually you could be an emerging artist at 50 you know you could start juggling at 40 and then like actually that's when your career starts taking off and that's when you're emerging Mm. and it doesn't have to be related to age so I think that's something that definitely happens and I mean there are definitely circus schools that don't take anyone over a certain age that only take people when they're younger and I I think that's a shame. You miss out on different life experiences people who've lived a completely different life um, welcoming circus into theirs and then finding that the walls are already put up saying like oh no you don't mix with our ideals of what a sexy performer is or what an athletic performer is and it's a real shame because they have just as much to say as a younger person and maybe even more so due to having lived twice as long (laughs) yeah I I was listening to a a different podcast about circus um, and they were talking about kind of lack of diversity on stage and they said something about well you have to think about what people want to see but I think that's yeah I call bullshit on that yeah i would also like to call bullshit on that <laughs> imagine being a painter and being like well I guess i'll just paint what people want not what like inspires me artistically or the style that i want to do exactly and if you're if you're able to see if you see that that problem is there that people only want to see a, ty- a certain body shape and you know a complete a, a certain aesthetic that you would think okay i'll just fit that rather than mm. okay well we should be challenging that and mm-hmm. changing that yeah, like you do have a resp- as as a creator, mm. you have a responsibility to look at the message that you're putting out, even if it seems accidental. You you are always saying something, even if you're not trying to say something. And I do think it's interesting that we find people in circus as they age, they do not just vanish and leave the circus world behind. They often step into roles that are maybe like 
um, event organizer or director or choreographer or teachers. There's all kinds of roles for them. It's just that we're not seeing them on the stage and they're just not being represented to an audience, which gives the illusion that they aren't useful to circus. In fact, they are probably the ones organizing and propping up a lot of the elements of circus. Yeah. They are, you know, often ringmasters are older men because that's the role that's like <laughs> that's given to them and that's a really important place for them to be. And I think also, you know, because people because of <laughs> circus is not an industry that you go into to make a lot of money. Um it's it's consistently underfunded and difficult to make a good living from so if you and underpaid yeah so younger people in their 20s maybe can afford to be paid a not so great amount of money whereas actually once mm -hmm. people get older and maybe have like family commitments or a mortgage it becomes a lot harder mm -hmm. for people to sustain that lifestyle so I think one of the ways to address it moving forward is actually just people being paid well mm. <laughs> yeah I think it's a really interesting conversation to open up I, I think it is and as we were saying in the podcast that this is kind of like a hidden um sort of issue it's not openly spoken about so what's really important if you're listening to this is to then go out and form an opinion on it and then talk to people about it because like <laughs> go form an opinion <laughs> go form an opinion and then ask others theirs because that is the only way that we start to open up conversation and that's the only way that change happens is by accepting that there is an issue and we do have a diversity issue and we've just touched the surface in this so there's there's a lot to explore thank you for listening to monkey see monkey discuss this has been rosie and ruby check out our other podcast which is called not my monkeys which has circus news reviews and interviews you can find it all on the usual podcast platforms or check it out on our website which is notmymonkeyspodcast.com this podcast is part of Circus Voices, brought to you by Circus Talk. For more Circus news, jobs, auditions and events, go to circustalk.com, the leading online network for the international circus community. The original Circus Talk podcast music is by Book Kennison. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.